Welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm Rachel Yucatel. So I am always trying to bring you guys new, interesting content and new, interesting people. Sometimes I have celebrities that you've known of and stories that you've heard about in the newspaper. And then sometimes I find the most random people that I become really intrigued by, and I want to hear their story. And I think that you might want to hear their story as well. So I was scrolling through Instagram and I started to follow this woman whose Instagram handle is Anne's van. Um, she's a woman who it seemed like she's a single girl. Um, she has like over 400,000 followers. She has a dog and a cat. She quit her life and she lives in a van. I found that intriguing. I found it weird. I found it, um, to be something I didn't understand. And I didn't know how she did it. She's a very attractive girl. And I thought, is this dangerous? Is this weird? Did something happen that you had a bad experience with a man and you wanted to, go live in a van and travel the world. Like, why did she do this? And I kept asking more and more questions every time her page would come up and I would see a new story. I also found it interesting that she was so creative. So her van is beautiful. It looks like how I would want um, like a guest house to look. Um, she was so handy and I didn't, you know, I just had all these questions. So I reached out to her and it took about a month, but she finally got back to me. And after I spoke to her on text message and DM for a while, um, I found that she had an incredible story because what she did over Christmas was she, um, she went to London, she left, she, you know, let her dog and cat go live with her mom, I guess, in a, in a real house. And she went to London like that movie, the holiday, she rented an Airbnb and she went to like, see if she could go find a new life just for fun for a few weeks and see if maybe someone like a Jude law would show up in her life. And what ended up happening is she slipped down a flight of stairs of someone she was like visiting with friends with there and broke her back. If you could believe it. So I was like, this girl is just living a crazy life. How is she getting home? Where are her dogs? Who's taking care of her van? Like what's happening? So I had to have her on the show. And the, I, you know, I will be honest with you. I told my editor before we started, this is going to be a short interview, 20 minutes or so. It ends up being an hour at least of an interview because where she took it and the answer she had for me and all my questions, I was so intrigued. I invited her to my home at the end to help me build stuff. She is fascinating. So I hope you guys think she's just as fascinating as I did. I'm excited to bring her to you. She goes by Annie. I hope you follow her on Instagram after this and follow her escapades. Um, I think a lot of what she says, you will um, resonate. It'll resonate with you. I think you'll, um, you know, you'll be just as intrigued. So definitely pull her up. So you see what she looks like, what I'm talking about. So you could picture all these things that um, we're talking about. And um, please, make sure that you leave a comment, a review, um, go in my DM and talk to me about this episode. Cause I'm definitely curious about your thoughts, um, of, on bringing more people like this into the mix. So sit back, enjoy my conversation with Annie. Thank you so much for joining us on Misunderstood. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. So 
anyone that follows your Instagram knows that you were very brave and over the holiday you decided to take a trip to um, London, right? Like you were reliving the movie, The Holiday, looking for Jude Law, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is correct. I actually um, decided to do a little trip for myself. So I booked a cottage in the Cotswolds in England and I was going to, I just love that movie, first of all. Yeah. So, Second so of all, everybody. single. <laughs> love Jude Law. Yeah. And so I wanted to relive my fantasy of the movie and going out there and just kind of hanging out in a beautiful cottage. Well, the first thing I I was wondering when I saw that on your post was what did you do with the dog and the cat while you were gone? You know, my mom actually takes care of my pets when I'm gone. Okay. So, you know, my van's parked currently on her property in Washington State. So whenever I do travel, she takes care of the pets. Oh, amazing. And yeah. do they get to go in the house or they live in the van in the, her back? Yeah, they go in the house whenever I'm away. So, oh, okay. yeah, it's so like Charlie and Emily. So Charlie's my dog and Emily's my cat. They both get to hang out with my mom in her house while I'm away. Oh, lovely. Okay. So you had a great time at the beginning. I, I, I take it, right? Was Honestly, it, it was the highest of highs. Yeah, it was such a great, I think it was two weeks I was in the Cotswolds in the cottage. And it was probably one of the best experiences I've had in my adulthood for myself. Something I've done for myself, one of the best things I've done. In what way? Why did you like it so much? Um, you know, it's been a long time that I've, number one, been able to afford to even take a trip for myself, and that's not related to work. Um, and then number two, like just taking that time in general for oneself and make it more about yourself and lounging and not doing a bunch of activities or having a set itinerary. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was, like I said, not only a fun idea to relive a little fun little fantasy, but also a way to unplug and be somewhere that I feel like is, you know, relaxed and beautiful and quaint and cute. Right. And did you meet any new people? I did. I actually was a lot more social than I thought I would be. Um, so I did have some friends from London come out um, and visit me in the Cotswolds because the house ended up being three bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And then one of my best friends, Kira, surprised me and she came um, to the Cotswolds as well. And she got to stay for a couple of weeks as well. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, so, so we had girls time. All in all, how long was your trip supposed to be? All in all, it was supposed to be a total of a month and a half, two months, not wow. just in England. It was supposed to be, you know, starting in England and then from there segueing over to Paris and then going on a group trip to Thailand. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wait, and were you doing these homes you were renting like on Airbnb? Yeah. So the first one is something I found on online. I was just kind of randomly Googling places. And so it was like cottages they have in the English countryside. So I found that just online. Okay. And then um, when I was staying in London, where, you know, I had an injury, I um, I was staying with a friend who lives in London. And then in Paris, I was just going to stay at a hotel. Right. Yeah. You know, on a side note, when I look at your account, I, I've, I've always been like, oh, I really want to tell her this. So now I have the opportunity. Have you ever heard of a company called Trusted House Sitter? You know, no, I haven't. But there's like another one I feel like might be the similar is like a um, like a swap housing swap. Um, no, not really. I mean, okay. I assume it can be, but it's similar to that in that 
people who want to travel but don't want to spend money on, you know, a house for mm-hmm. you know, or, or lodging can go to any country and they can, you know, log into Trusted House Sitter. I feel like I'm doing an ad for them, but honestly, it's such a great company. It's completely free. So like you could travel to London or France or oh, Spain, wow. whatever, and go stay for free in someone's house and in exchange for taking care of their animals. I feel like you would be great at this. Oh, I've hired so people to I've hired people to come and it's all based on like a rating system. Um, so, you know, and it's fully insured and bonded and all that. So, and you interview the people, you don't want to go into someone's house that so you don't want to be in their home. Right. But yeah. also you don't, they don't want someone coming into their home that they don't want. So it's a mutual process and um, you could go travel next time to a country like that. And all you have to do is really pay for your airplane tickets and you get to be around animals. You could stay on someone's farm. You can stay in like something that looks like a five-star hotel, or you could sleep on a couch, whatever your thing is that you don't mind. But all you have to do is take care of the animals. So I just figured for your next trip, I'll tell you that so that you don't have to spend money on lodging. I just wrote that down because that's something totally up my alley. <laughs> Good. And then, um, okay, so tell people what happened. I mean, for people that don't follow your page, you had an, an incredibly awful accident. Yeah. So that's what I was kind of saying earlier. It was like the highest of highs, but then the lowest of lows. I was about to add that in. Mm-hmm. And that went from, you know, me being in the countryside for two weeks in England and having one of the best times ever to going back to London. And the first day I was back, I was actually at my friend's house. Um, and she has like one of those like really old school townhomes in England. Uh-huh. And it's all wooden staircases, like no carpet, period. And I was on my way to bed and, you know, lights were out. It was dark. Um, I was wearing fuzzy, slippery socks. And on the very top of the staircase, I just like slipped and bam, hit my back and started blah, 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 all, all the way down the stairs. Um, I fell down probably at this point halfway down before I caught myself. Mm-hmm. And then I tried getting up. But at this point, my back was already broken, but I did not know this. And it was just the worst pain ever. So I just collapsed from the pain and I fell down the rest of the steps. So I fell down, I know, I fell down the rest of the staircase, landed on my face at the bottom of the staircase. Um, You know, I never understood how people could fall downstairs. I was like, oh, they were definitely pushed. But now I understand how people can get seriously injured that way. And so, yeah, I broke my back um, the first day back to London and unfortunately wasn't able to you know, finish the rest of my trip. Right. So were the friends in the house? Could somebody take you to the hospital? Yeah. Did they call the ambulance? What happened? Yeah. So the owner of the house was already in bed by this point. My friend Kira, who I'd mentioned earlier, um, she was actually in the bathroom. So she heard me fall. And so she came out and I, at this point I was crying right from the pain. Like it was the most awful pain I could probably think of in my life. And so she just laid there on the floor with me and cried with me and held my hand. It was really sweet. And then we called um, 911 or whatever the equivalent is in England. Mm. And unfortunately, it took them about six hours to have the ambulance come. It's a little bit different than America. I know. So they, for some reason, made it non-emergency because I don't really understand how it works. But I guess like if you're breathing and you're, you know, responding, it's not life or death. So they put you onto this other wait list for a second ambulance. (laughs) So since it wasn't life or death, I had to wait for a non-emergency vehicle to come get me. And like I said, it took about six hours. And when they arrived, um, the first team of EMTs came in with a stretcher and they couldn't get me out. Um, So they had to call in a second team. Um, And they still couldn't get me out at first. Um, And so they almost had to call something that was equivalent to Jaws of Life in America. 
which I'm not sure what they were going to do with the staircase, maybe break it down to get me out, who knows. Uh, but luckily, they were able to get me out and get me to the hospital where I did CT scans, and they um, confirmed that I fractured um, four different vertebrae in my back. Oh, my God, Annie, I'm so sorry. I know. And then I was in the hospital for two weeks in, you know, <laughs> in England. So that was wild. It was a wild, wild time. I love that with a new year comes new beginnings and new possibilities. And with Osea's clean, vegan, sustainable body care, it is the perfect place to start. Osea provides us with the golden opportunity to start making self-care and body care a priority in your life every day. We all know how much I love skincare and living in Florida, my skin can definitely get dry and flaky at times. We're always outside in and out of the pool, but then I found Osea Andaria Algae Body body butter. And I just fell in love with what it did for my skin. First of all, I love a good body butter. It feels luxurious and we all deserve to be pampered a little bit. Don't we? It gives me the best healthy glow. It keeps me hydrated and smooth. And to top it all off, it's not greasy at all. I could be sitting on a chair, putting on clothes and I feel really good about it. And that to me is really important in a body butter or a lotion. It's got it all. And what I particularly love about Osea is that for 27 years, their seaweed infused products are not only safe for your skin, they're also safe for the planet. So everyone wins. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. And right now we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code understood at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Definitely try it today. Head to oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com and use code understood for 10% off. This episode is proudly brought to you by Lola V, the award-winning hair care line founded by the amazing Jennifer Aniston. No one is more famous for their hair than she is. I mean, who didn't have the Rachel haircut at some point? I'm a big beauty product girl. I'm always changing it up and looking for the newest and best stuff, especially for my hair. The problem is the market is so flooded. You never know what is going to work for you and even more what product is actually going to be good for you. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. I put my hair through so much coloring, styling, extensions, and I'm constantly changing it up. So it's important to have products that repair and shield my hair from future damage. That's where Lola V comes in. If you want to get started, try their bestsellers, the cult classic glossing detangler and perfecting leave-in conditioner. They aren't just styling products. They will be your hair's new best friend. And now for a limited time, you get an exclusive 15% off your entire order at lolav.com. Just use code understood at checkout. So I've been using Lola V for a while now, and I just love it. I know it's silly, but for me, if my hair looks good, I just feel better. You know what I mean, guys? Lola V is made of all naturally derived plant-based ingredients. It's cruelty-free and vegan. The restorative shampoo, conditioner, and intensive repair treatment is so luxurious, and their post-shower products will change up your entire styling routine. It's like a spa day from top to bottom. I actually bought it for my teenage daughter and for my mother. So women of all different ages are trying this and loving it. My daughter actually asked me for more. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. As our loyal listeners, you will get an exclusive 15% off your entire order when you use code UNDERSTOOD at checkout. That's 15% off your order at L-O-L-A-V-I-E.com with promo code UNDERSTOOD. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you.
Right. Okay. So the highs of highs and the lows of lows, as you said. So yeah. you got yourself back to America. You said you're in Washington State now. Um, before we get into like what it is that you're doing, I want to talk about you. Like, mm-hmm. at, where were you born? Tell me a little bit about you. Yeah. What did you? What were your jobs? What did you want to do for a living? Have you ever been married? Like, fill us in on who you are. Yeah. So. You know, I am actually half Asian. So my mom's from Thailand and my dad is, you know, American, Caucasian. Um, and I grew up in Oklahoma, actually. So I grew up in Oklahoma, um, loving country music, but also, you know, going to Thai temple. So um, it was a very interesting upbringing. Um, so I was in the Bible Belt, but I was also Buddhist at the same time. And so I would really definitely played a role in my um, the way I grew up and who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad worked in construction, but he was also a disabled um Vietnam veteran. And my mom, you know, worked in a belt factory making $2 an hour sewing, sewing belts for country singers. Wow, I know, right. And so um, I had a definitely a humble beginning. We were definitely not a rich family or even middle class family by any means we struggled. Um, I oftentimes sometimes sometimes lived in women's shelters, to be honest. Um, so it was definitely a very interesting childhood um, mm-hmm. growing up without much. Um, and so I think for me, like growing up, I always saw money as something that was success, right? So if you had money, you were definitely successful. And so that played a huge role in like who I was and like how I kind of led my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was able to start working at 15, I pretty much got, got a job. I got two jobs and I just started working and made that my priority and moved out of the house really early. I think I moved out when I was 16 or 17 and just started my path very early on to success. And that was make money. And what were those jobs you had? Um, the very first job I had was frying chicken at pretty much the equivalent of a truck stop. <laughs> so I was the person who like, when you walk into like a truck stop and you see like, you know, the fried chickens and the barbecue burritos are deep fried. That was me. I fried those things. <laughs> and so I think I made like $5 and 25 cents an hour, whatever minimum wage was back then. But right. that was my first job. And then I also worked in like, um, fast food. I worked at Taco Bell. Um, you know, I worked, you know, at restaurants. I had multiple different jobs, sometimes three jobs at a time, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And then then that's, yeah. And then throughout your twenties and thirties, what, how did your life develop? So that's when I started realizing that I, I just felt for some reason, I just felt like I wanted more out of my life. So even though I was from a, you know, small town at this point, I'd already moved to Washington state with my family. And so, you know, the town population of where I was living was less than a thousand people. So a very small town. And, you know, to get a job as a manager at Jack in the Box, that was like the highest, you know, that was a really great job. It still is. But for me, that was like the expectation. Right. But in my mind, I was just like, I want to see the world. I want to travel. I want to do like bigger things. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, how can I do that? And so I was working the time at multiple jobs, like I said, in restaurants, and I saved up about 800 bucks. I moved to LA with some friends. And so I had barely any money to survive, but I made the big jump and the big move. And I went with some of my friends who were models. And at the time that did not interest me, but I was like, I'm going to live here for a year just to kind of get my foot in the door with a big city and kind of see how things go. And so I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. I ended up being in LA for 15 years. Um, and that definitely was, you know, a huge part of my life before I moved into a van. So when I first moved to LA, like I said, I had, you know, barely any money, but I did get a job in a restaurant. From there, I started working in the corporate world. So I got a job at guest corporate office. 
Um, and I started working for the Marcianos and that was a huge part of my life. And I was there for a couple of years and I learned a lot in the corporate structure and the corporate world. Um, from there, I then started working with plastic surgeons as well as scientists and other doctors and started working in the medical field. Um, and I did that. And this is a part of my life and a lot of people don't really know about, to be honest, but I worked in the medical field for 10 years. Um, and then once I was working in the medical world, I was making well, a lot doing, of money. Doing what yeah. in the medical world? Yeah. So I worked for different companies, whether it be like, you know, <clears throat> building out labs and cl clinics across the world. So I also worked for a huge company in the UK. So I'd fly to Ireland as well as to England, and I would help structure or restructure a company or a, you know, uh, lab or clinic, or I would help with their uh, marketing. So I've done, you know, large scale marketing ads, um, whether it be like, you know, what you see in the tube or for the Grand National, which is a horse race. Um, but I did that for, like I said, about 10 years. Um, and at the time it was my own company, but I was working primarily in marketing, but in the healthcare industry. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and then you want to hear the next thing that I did? <laughs> it's yeah, kind of, of course. Um, but yeah, so that, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, like growing up and like money was success to me. So yeah. I was like money driven, money hungry, like make money. That's what you do. Get married, have kids. Like I was going down that path. I had a mm -hmm. boyfriend long-term. I had everything that you could possibly want on paper. I had a beautiful boyfriend that was very successful, a very beautiful home in LA, in West Hollywood, um, multiple bedrooms. And I had all the friends, you know, I was a cute girl. You know what I mean? Like I pretty much had everything I thought I wanted, but Unfortunately, at the time, I was very unhappy. I currently weigh 110 pounds. I think I got down to 89 pounds. I could barely sit on a hard surface because I had no cushion to my butt. Um, I was just very depressed. And that's when what, I first... What do you think you were depressed about if you had all that? Um, I think I was lacking substance in my life. So mm -hmm. I think I was chasing all the things that were taught to chase, which is, like I said, money and relationship and marriage, the dream wedding as a girl having kids by 30, um, because at the time, I think I was probably, you know, 29, about to be 30. And yeah, I was chasing things that were very uh, self, uh, uh, I guess, like shallow, if that makes sense. Of course. And, yeah. Or just surface level items, just like checking things off my list of what success looked like and meant to me. Mm -hmm. and so I think all of a sudden I found myself on my knees, like just like crying from desperation of like, okay, I have everything I've ever wanted. I look successful. I am successful. I, my parents are proud of me, but I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's when I realized that something was not okay because I felt like I was, I was on my deathbed. You know what I mean? When you get down to eight, nine pounds, like, and you can barely eat and you're as skinny as I was, I knew it was like life or death. Like, you know, my parents had not seen me at this time. And my mom, when she did see me, just fell from crying from seeing like what I looked like because I was just like skin and bones. And that's when I just knew I was like, okay, I have to make a change now because this is not okay. This this life is not okay. So I ended up breaking up with my boyfriend. I ended up moving out of the house, the beautiful house. I ended up quitting my job in the medical industry. I ended up um pretty much starting from nothing, getting, taking out my 401k, all my savings, and just going like, you know what, I have no idea what I'm about to do with myself, but I know it's not this. 
Um, and at the time, my dad was also dying, unfortunately. And so, at, you know, we had just actually all these things are happening at once. We had just lost our family home to a fire. So the house burnt down. And then my dad, my dad was sick. So he was slowly dying. And so I flew back home to be with my dad for his last three months of his life. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes to like what life really was, you know what I mean? And that was not these items I was chasing all this time in LA. Um, and so, wow, Annie, my God, I'm trying not to cry right now, but yeah, I forgot. But yeah, all these things were just happening all at once. So let me ask you a quick question. When you were talking about losing so much weight, were you suffering from any sort of an eating disorder or you just nope. were doing so many things that you just were forgetting to eat and you weren't interested in food? It was depression and anxiety. And mm -hmm. at the time I didn't understand what mental illness or depression was. Mm -hmm. I think I was definitely one of those people that was like, oh, it's made up. It's not real. Mental illness is not real. Because I think I was so blessed with feeling optimistic in life yeah. that when it hit me and I actually had to experience it, I did not understand what it was. I thought I was just dying, right? Um, and so I think the not eating part was a, um, a symptom of that. So yeah. I physically couldn't eat because I was shaking so much and I felt sick constantly from the anxiety and depression that I physically could not eat food. So I had to buy milkshakes, for example, and force myself to eat milkshakes just to get calories in. Yeah, yeah. So in what you're saying, I mean, I think some people would look at it two ways, that, two ways that either you were having a midlife crisis of sorts, you leave yeah. everything behind or something in you knew you needed to have a reset and mm -hmm. you got rid of all this stuff and decided to try your luck elsewhere, even though mm -hmm. um, you had all these things, but weren't happy. Um, so is this when you decided to start van life? I mean, what, no. how did you get there? There was another phase to that. So right. yeah, after my dad died, that's when, you know, like I said, like I already went through the motions of knowing something had to change. So I made those changes, but then my dad was dying. So I was there for him next to his bed and being there for my family. And then once he did pass away, that's when I was like, okay, what can I do now to ensure that I don't go down the same path, but I need to make money. And mm -hmm. so that's when I started a new company that was, I was actually a florist. I was a high-end florist. Did I know how to be a florist? No, but I knew I love flowers. Typical girl. I was like, I love flowers. Let me now become a florist. So I started a business. Um, Wait, you didn't go work in a florist shop first? Nope. You just started no. <laughs> I mean, I kind of did work in a florist shop, but very for like three months, but not to design. It was more like restructuring their business versus designing. So I never got to actually design flowers. But so I think I've kind of fell in love with that little experience of it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't really know what it was I wanted to do, but I knew it went, I wanted to be creative. Mm -hmm. And so flowers was, was the first thing I thought of. And I was like, did I you make money doing that? Yeah. So when I started the business and kind of life com comes full circle, but um, I went to the flower market in downtown LA with 50 bucks. I bought some flowers and my first um, client was um, Paul Marciano, who owns guests and the Marcianos who, who I used to work for. So that was my first real job in LA. And, you know, from there, I just started blowing up and I started doing flowers for, you know, whether it be Cardi B or for the Kardashians or whoever, but I started becoming like the florist to a lot of celebrities. 
and doing a lot of high-end installations, whether it be at the Beverly Hills Hotel or, uh, you know, just big events. So like some of the budgets were hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes doing, you know, a luncheon for the Grammys that they would spend $60,000 on flowers for just three hours. So okay. wait, 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 uh-huh. my yeah. question. <laughs> you want to so back up? <laughs> so you did this yeah. from scratch. You didn't know what you were doing. You started with no. 50 bucks doing this. Yep. So you knew someone who gave you your first opportunity, but you were getting to these other opportunities because of word of mouth. Like, how did you get to work yeah, with the Kardashians? I think just from being in LA and, you know, knowing the people that I knew, I was definitely connected, you know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. And so I think since I was a social person in LA, just going to parties and going to events, I just knew a lot of people. And at first I started my business, I wanted it to be very um, budget friendly and affordable. But uh-huh. in the end, like your business doesn't really get to choose, you don't get to choose your business. I think your clients kind of choose you. And so in the end, based on who I was hanging out with and the clients I had, they were kind of choosing their own products. And that was more high-end, higher, you know, you know, higher spend type budgets. Mm-hmm. And so the way I got my clients was just, like I said, through my, my social circle, to be honest. Wait, so tell me what you did for the Kardashians in particular. Well, I'd done some events for them. <clears throat> for example, um, there was one I'm thinking of in particular that was, <clears throat> I'm, for, I'm forgetting her name, but correct me if I'm wrong, but Kylie has a best friend, I think named Stassi, right? Is that her name? We would have to check. Yeah, I'd have to Google. I'm pretty sure it's saucy. But anyway, um, I did one of her birthday parties. So I did one of her birthday parties um, at Catch LA. And we did all the flowers, the balloons, like the money, like like there's like this money gun that flew everywhere. Anyway, we did the whole experience. So it wasn't just the flowers. But I helped do that, for example. So that was one event I did. Mm -hmm. And it was Kylie that that actually put the event on for her birthday. Amazing. Okay. And you said, for example, like um, doing an installation might have a budget for $60,000 on something like that. What are you actually taking home? I mean, you have so much overhead, right? Oh, so much overhead, especially in LA. Like I will say Annie was not rich, but my company made a lot of money. Uh (laughs) So my company was doing millions a year for sure. Our first year we did millions um, in revenue, but my take home as you know, as an employee was not much to be honest, because I was reinvesting back into my company. And that kind of now segues over to um, the next chapter of my life, because I learned a lot from not taking money out. Um, I was reinvesting for the first three years of my business. And like I said, my business was growing. I had 11 full-time employees. I was back to being successful on paper, Annie, um, kind of falling back into the routine of what success looks like again, but being unhappy. <laughs> that was me all over again, another cycle of my life. Um, at this time, I owned you know, a very successful business that people knew about. Um, and so that is actually where van life comes in. So um, well, wait, wait, before we get yeah, into that, because yeah. I'm just curious about this cycle yeah. and then not being happy still. Yeah. Were you not happy doing these events? Were you not happy? Because you said you got into flowers yeah. because flowers made you happy and, exactly. and you liked them. So how did you get to the point where you realized you weren't happy? I mean, it can't just be that yeah. all of a sudden you're rich and or, you know, wealthy enough to rent a house and, you know, yeah. work for people. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, having some money in the bank doesn't trigger you being depressed. Well, yeah, I think what it was is like I said, I was kind of going back to the routine without realizing it of what success looked like. And I was just repeating the cycle all over again, but in a different way. So the cycle for you was like the hustling and the doing things that weren't necessarily making you happy as opposed to this organic thing that you had started. Okay. I get it. Yeah. So it was organic in the sense that like the way it was built was organic and like the 
you know, creativity was what I wanted, but what, mm-hmm. but what I was chasing was the wrong thing once again, right? I was just chasing money and beca- becoming this person that I was not proud of. I was not always the nicest. I was really grouchy, to be honest. I barely slept. I was overworked. Um, I was becoming someone I didn't like. So in the sense that I was really materialistic, to be honest, I had a big, beautiful house once again. I was buying the best clothes. I was going to the best parties. And yeah, I just like I said, I was becoming not who I feel like I am to my core. Um, and I was having a lot of really shallow friendships um, that I feel like now I, looking back, I realized were one-sided because I was able to throw parties and give them things, right? Mm. Well, yeah. And so, you know, during this experience, I knew I was unhappy once again, but I didn't know how to get out of the cycle. I felt very stuck, um, especially owning a business. You can't just walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a blessing and a curse, but, you know, COVID came and that's when life decided what it wanted me to do. I had no choice anymore. And that's when I really lost my business because events were canceled because of COVID, the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And so March, you know, I'll never forget March 11th was when, you know, everything started shutting down and I was on a ladder at the Chateau Marmont, you know, doing an install for Rachel Zoe and doing this beautiful party. Um, And that's when I was finding out all my clients were calling me canceling, getting refunds and me just slowly losing my business in a course of hours to the whole weekend. Um, So life chose what it wanted for me. And that was to lose my business once again. And um, everything was shut down, including me. And that's when the van kind of came in. (laughs) So at this point, how are you feeling? I mean, everyone, I mean, I know everybody was feeling very anxious and unsure in yeah. those times, were you really scared or were you like, oh, wait, this is a blessing in disguise. I've, I'm used to reinventing myself. Um, yeah. You know, this doesn't make my heart rate go too high because yeah. I've been through this. Like, what was it for you? The f- initial knee jerk reaction was failure um, okay. and crying. I'm not going to lie. A lot of crying, a lot of crying March 11th through March 15th. I won't forget that. Um, very much being scared. I think everyone was scared. None of us knew Mm -hmm. what was happening. LA was very shut down. We're definitely not a conservative state. It was a very liberal state. So we're very, very shut down and couldn't go anywhere and do anything. Very uncertain about the future. But in my mind, I was like, okay, this is only going to be two weeks long. So I was like, pick your, you know, pick yourself back up, Annie. Things will be fine in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So initially that's how I felt. But then as you know, we all learned it was not the case. It did not last two weeks. It was much longer. And that's when I started realizing, holy crap, like I have to really think about now how I make money because events are not going to come back. My bread and butter is gone, right? And I wasn't working with private, doing private events for private homes. I was doing big brand deals mm-hmm. with huge brands. And you know, those brands are not going to have private, you know, base, basement parties they can hire me for. And yeah. so I, I essentially lost my business because of that. And so I, that's when I started getting creative once again. And I think this is the hustle of my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, how do I make money now? How do I, I was homeless. Like I said, I'm actually not even sure if I said that, but I became homeless because I wasn't, wasn't able to move into my new house that my lease started on March 15th of 2020. And like I said, COVID happened on March 11th and I was supposed to move in on March 15th. And my landlord wouldn't let me move in. And even though I paid my rent and deposit, I was able to get that back. 
And so unfortunately I had no money. I had no money from all the refunds. I had no place to live. So I was sleeping on couches. I was renting cars and sleeping in them. And I was also staying with a guy that I was dating at the time, his house, but I had just met him. I met him like two weeks before COVID hit. So it was definitely like a new relationship. Um, yeah. Well, that seemed to happen to a lot of people that whoever yeah. they were at the moment is who they ended up living with. How come you didn't go home to your mom? I think everyone was scared at that point. Like flights were okay. canceled. There was no way of getting home. I didn't have a car. Um, and so there was no like just driving to Washington state for me. Um, uh, my family is also very scared of COVID, like even more scared than me. So they're like, no, you're not allowed to come back, but in a very nice way, but kind of like, we're scared. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're in LA, it's a big, scary city. You're going to bring back this disease that we don't know about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, you know, my friends felt the same way. So even my friends in LA didn't want me even coming over. So it went from this like world of having people around to all of a sudden, like you're out for your own self, if that makes sense. (laughs) And so, so how did this idea to, to be an influencer for van life become? (laughs) Well, I think in the moment of feeling uncertain about everything, you're back again on your knees, trying to figure things out, crying once again, having nothing. And I really had to think about what it is that I wanted. And I wanted freedom. Freedom was the main word that kept coming to my mind. And that was freedom from money and success, freedom from responsibilities, freedom from feeling trapped in COVID and being stuck in someone's house or a guy's house I barely knew, Mm -hmm. living in cars, like just freedom from it all. Right. And the only thing I could think of was I want to get in a van and drive. And, you know, something I kind of failed to mention earlier about my childhood is even though that my family was very poor, there's something my dad always did. And that was take us on road trips. So if I were to show you a map of the United States, I do have one, by the way, we pinned it together before he died. We sat together, we pinned all the places we've been and we've, I've been to every state except for um, Alaska. Um, And it's because of my dad. And like, he was very spontaneous as a kid. He was always like, Hey, let's all go to McDonald's. And so we'd all pile into the van and minivan and we'd drive to McDonald's, but it'd be like three States away. So all of a sudden we're on a road trip for like two months with my dad. And so that spontaneity and that like wonderlust definitely translated to my adulthood. So I think, you know, now being in COVID and feeling trapped and stuck freedom to me meant, okay, driving, get in the car and just drive. And Mm -hmm. so that's when the van life thing kind of popped into my mind because at the time on Instagram, it wasn't like a huge fad yet, but it definitely was becoming one. Hashtag Mm -hmm. van life was new. Um, And I think COVID definitely made people want to do it, myself included. (laughs) Well, I remember thinking I wanted to get, I lived in New York City at the time. I wanted to get an RV. I actually even researched buying one and like driving around the country. But, you know, I had a daughter at the time who was like mm-hmm. eight or nine or whatever. And I knew my ex-husband would, you know, take me to court for being crazy. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, I had a couple animals and, you know, I was a city girl. I was like, yeah. that's never going to work out. But I know that thought did cross my mind enough to me, um, you know, doing some research on it. So I think that that was not a strange thought process for you or for anyone else. So what was the like logistics? How did you go about finding the van, buying the van, decorating yeah. it? all of that. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> it started out with a pen and piece of paper, right? A pencil and piece of paper, because that's all I had. Like I said, I was back to square one of not having money. Um, if I could be honest with you, I think I was negative $300 in my bank account. Wow. And so going from making millions to having negative again and not having a home, 
it was a very humbling once again experience, but something I'm not, you know, I'm familiar with something I've been through before. And so I think like once you've been poor in your life, being poor is not scary anymore. Like you can do it again. Right. And so I was like, okay, how do I get myself out of the situation? So imagination, number one, number two, pencil and paper. So I started drawing out what I wanted from a van. And that's when I got onto OfferUp, which is an app that you can kind of like Facebook marketplace. You can buy, you know, items from people, used items. Mm -hmm. So I started just like researching and looking for vans that I thought would be a good fit for me. And, you know, I did go look at certain vans that just were not a good fit, but I did find this one, um, the one I have now, (laughs) which was about three hours away. It was like, I can't remember where I bought it. It was like the Valley and not the Valley. It was like out in the desert somewhere outside of LA. And, um, but I did find this van online. It was 3000, actually $4,000 is what they priced it at. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had did not have the money. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna write them and see if I can get it down lower. And so I negotiated with them and they agreed on $3,000, but I had no money, like I said. So I luckily at this point, Mother's Day was coming up. And so I knew what I had to do. And that was make flowers, make money. So I started posting on social media. Um, I think at the time I had probably 20,000 followers and they're mm-hmm. primarily because of flowers, right? So they my followers because of flowers. That was my niche. Um, and so I started selling Mother's Day bouquets. Um, how I was going to make these bouquets and deliver them, I did not know yet. But hey, let's just sell right now. <laughs> so I started posting and people started buying. And a lot of my clients started just supporting me. And I think they knew I just needed help. So they started buying Mother's Day flowers. And so I went and rented a van, a minivan, once again. And I went to Whole Foods because at the time couldn't buy um, wholesale market flowers downtown because they had totally closed that down. Yeah. So I went to Whole Foods, bought whatever flowers they had, and I started making bouquets. And I was able to sell over $3,000 of flowers um, and make it profitable enough to have enough to buy this van. I was also doing some landscaping. I know that sounds crazy, but I was. I think at the time people were so gung-ho about redoing their homes because they're yeah. all at home. And so I was buying plants from Home Depot. I think Home Depot was open at this time. I was delivering them with my rented minivan. I was like repotting them, delivering them. I was just hustling. I was like trying to figure out ways to make money and I did it. Um, so I was able to raise $3,000 and I wrote the person and I hitched a ride from a friend and they drove me three hours to pick up this van and I paid and I still remember this. I didn't have enough money to get home. I didn't have enough gas money. (laughs) And so it was just like, you know what I mean? But it was like one hustle to the next. And so I have this van now in LA, don't have money to drive anywhere and it's totally gutted, (laughs) but I'm this is now my home and I'm sleeping on Abbott Kinney, which is an expensive street. And I used to have a store there. So I went from having multiple shops in Abbott Kinney to all of a sudden living on Abbott Kinney in a van, being one of the homeless people there. So it's kind of like a big, it was, it was definitely a interesting experience. Um, So the way I, you know, decorated it to answer your question is over the next few months, I hustled all summer long. Um, did multiple landscaping jobs. Um, when I say landscaping, I helped people design their yards and I went to Home Depot, went to the places I need to go to and helped them landscape and make gardens and English gardens. Like I did one, I'll, I'll just say it, I'll just say his name, but I did one for Beck, for example, he's a musician. So he hired me. Um, I did some for friends. Like, so I did some for certain people and I was able to save enough money to not only get myself out of the van, kind of, because I kind of rented this like mini apartment, um, but I also was able to start renovating it. So on the streets of Abbott County, I just started or in the Home Depot parking lot, for example, I would just go buy 
tools. I would go borrow tools. I would buy the things I needed to do the renovations of this van, the build out, and I would slowly start building it over time. The story <laughs> is so incredible. I can't even believe it. So, but yeah. how did you know how to put like a stove in a van? Like, how, I don't even understand how you would learn this stuff. YouTube University. <laughs> so I, yeah, like, honestly, though, I will say this, like, growing up with my dad in construction, I did have to like lay bricks occasionally, like with my dad or like, do like the typical lay sod for him, like whatever it might be. So he did instill that hard work in me. And number two, like, um, <clears throat> just doing flowers, for example, it's not just flowers, I did big installations. So building a flower wall, cutting wood, all those things I learned from my flower company. So I took what I learned, the basics of using a drill, for example, um, I took all that I knew, and then I went to YouTube, and I just started looking things up. And, you know, you can go online and like, look at these like cookie cutter, you know, design designs off for a van, right. But I, you know, most of those were for sprinters, sprinters, are like $200,000 vehicles that I did not have. Have. So mm -hmm. I had to be very creative about how I um, created this. So back to that pencil and paper I talked about earlier, I had drawn out exactly what I wanted over the course of a month, and I knew exactly what I wanted. And so I just took multiple different videos I saw online, and I created my own van based on what my needs were and my budget was. Um, and so, for example, if you look at my van, um, there's like this really beautiful cabinet that I use. It's, it's from the 1800s, actually. Um, and that... Um, that is part of my kitchen. So it's my storage and my kitchen, but that was actually in my flower shop, to be honest. So something I took out of my flower shop, I cut parts of it off, like the top cabinet, and then I, ins I installed it into my van to become my now kitchen. <laughs> so I saved money there by just like kind of using and recycling items. Right. So when you were becoming homeless or having to close different stores, were you, did you put some of your stuff in storage? I mean, yeah. Okay. So everything was in storage. So everything I had material wise were actually in these two massive storage units. That's when I realized too, like how much crap I was kind of hoarding onto and holding onto and how much stuff I actually had. Like I had, I'm not making this up. I actually had two living rooms. So I had enough furniture for two living rooms, multiple bedrooms, multiple shops, like just a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I also, I failed to mention that part. That's actually how I made money too, is I went on Facebook marketplace and offer up and started selling some of my items. So that's also how I was able to make money too, um, during COVID. I kind of forgot about that, to be honest. Um, and then the rest of it, I just got rid of. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I was able to reuse some items, sell some items. Um, and yeah, like I said, just, um, building with my own budget and, um, like I said, from the Home Depot parking lot, I used one of my friends had a woodworking shop. So I used his shop as well and his tools. So I wouldn't have to buy my own tools, um, made a lot of mistakes, fixed them and <laughs> redid, redid them. So, so now do you always keep a little apartment somewhere or are you at the point now where you are fully living in this van? Yeah, no, I don't have an apartment anywhere. So when I mentioned, I kind of had an apartment, it was actually, Remember how I, I told you about that place I was most supposed to move into on March 15th, yeah. 2020? It was that place. So right. they actually finally let me move in. And that was, uh, I can't remember which month is at this point we're in now, but it was actually a shop. So it wasn't a residential place. I had to secretly live in the shop. <laughs> it was actually for my flower shop. So that's why I don't really talk about it much because I legally was not able, supposed to live in there. It oh, was an okay. actual flower shop that I had rented. And so I would sleep between my van and my flower shop um, secretly. Okay. But I get it. So it gave you yeah. a bathroom or like, did it have a shower? It did have a shower. So yeah, it, it enabled me to work on my van 
which was outside on, you know, in the, on the street and also able to sleep in my flower shop and start working and doing flowers again. So at, at some point, did, were you at the place where you were like, okay, my van is done. This is great. I'm going to move on from here and just live a hundred percent here and start going on Instagram. Yeah. So that's where we talk about the shop now. So now I have this lease on this shop. Luckily it ended on December 31st, 2020, the lease. And so as I'm building up my van, this is like now in the fall of 2020, um, I'm utilizing this shop that I have and lease that I have knowing, okay, I have two choices right now. One, I can go down the path that I was on before which is the flower shop business and doing events if it ever comes back, because at this point it did not come back. Or I could run away from it all and just get in my van and go. So I created another option for myself where before I didn't have an option, right? Mm-hmm. And so I took a drive in my van up to Yosemite in December. I think it was like December, beginning of December, knowing I had to give either sign at least December 31st or I had to give it up at mm-hmm. LA Dream. And so I drove to Yosemite in my van and I knew this was like a soul searching trip for me. And I met my sister there. She came down from Washington. It was like a good halfway point. And we just kind of hung out in nature for the weekend. And I got to finally drive my van and experience my van and it's setting outside of LA. And I was like, yep, this is what I want. This is what I want. I want to be in my van and I want to be in nature and I don't want to be in LA and I don't want to be chasing money. I don't want to be chasing that dream anymore. And I you know, after that weekend with my sister, I just came back to LA and I told my landlord I was out and I decided to dissolve the lease, sell everything that I had at that moment still in storage or in the shop. And I jumped into my van and I drove, I started my drive. I started my journey. <laughs> so, and then what were you planning on doing for money to yeah. so basically pay point, for gas? And yeah. Food? Yeah. So at this point, like I said, like I still don't have a lot of money doing better than I did, you know, back in March of 2020, but definitely still was paycheck to paycheck kind of person. Um, And so that's when I had to get creative once again. Okay. Now I've finally gotten rid of the LA dream, the shop dream, the business dream. Now, what do I do as a, I think at this point, I'm now 37, 38 um, years old. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, I'm wasting some of the best years in my thirties looking for a husband, <laughs> like it's such a dumb thing I was thinking in my mind, but it was, and you know, silly me. I also, part of me didn't want to start the van life because in my mind, I was like, I had got to wait for a man for this in my mm-hmm. mind. I was like, I need a man to help me build this out in my mind. I was like, um, I'm wasting the, my best years looking for a partner. Like there was just a lot of things going on in my head to make me stop and not want to do it. But mm-hmm. I knew I was waiting for no reason. Um, And so when it comes to making money, that's when I started thinking about influencing and becoming a creator. Um, It's never been something I liked or wanted to do because I don't want to be in the spotlight. Like I said, my my friends were models and celebrities, but I was not. I definitely didn't want to be on TV. Um, But I knew I had to do something. And I knew I had to do something that wouldn't cost a lot of money to start. And so I just started casually posting on Instagram, but not going to lie, didn't like doing it. So I kind of battled Instagram for a while and started actually meeting up with other van lifers that were influencers with a lot of followers and they were having brand deals. I wanted to associate with people that I want to aspire to be. And Mm -hmm. so I started just hanging out with other creators and learning from them. And in that process, I met this girl who was living in her van. And I still remember what she said to me that stuck out to me. Um, I was talking to her about Instagram and I was like, how, how do you make this successful? Like, how do you make money from Instagram? Because I want to do it. And I've been trying for eight months now and I, or months now, and I 
don't know how to make money. And she goes, Annie, this is your problem. And I, I go, but I don't like it is what I said. She goes, Annie, this is your problem. She was like, you don't like the app. She was like, I love the app. I love Instagram. I love using it. I love talking to people. I love being social. I love, you know, making friends. And she just started telling me her love for it. And that's when I was like, okay, I got to change my mindset now. And mm-hmm. so that's when I started taking Instagram as more of a serious career and mm-hmm. kind of being like, Annie, put your ego to the side. Yeah, you might have been this big, badass woman, you know, entrepreneur, business owner in LA with all these amazing social circles, but you're not anymore, right? You're now this humbled, kind of broke <laughs> woman in her late 30s in a van now. Um, and so you got to just put yourself out there. And so I started, that's when I started posting and started taking it more seriously. And that's when I started making money from it. And just to make us understand what that means, how do you make money from it? Like all of a sudden um, companies were calling you to talk about things or I wish. Okay. So tell me. I I wish it was that simple. Right. Um, (laughs) So, so it was definitely a long, it was definitely a long game, right? So I, I, I don't think I made real money for the first year. I made small money, right? So whether it be $500 here and there, $300 here and there, very small, you know, transactions, which was fine. Um, but I kind of skipped a big step that happened in the van life. I will go back to that now because that kind of plays a role into how I made money mm-hmm. or kind of like how I became who I am. Um, the first four months of van life, like I said, it was a struggle in the sense that I did not want to influence, but I wanted to. It was like this battle with myself. Um, four months into van life, I had a brain aneurysm and I was put into um, the ICU. And so um, that was a huge part of my 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 growth. And so um, I almost died, right? So when you have a brain aneurysm and you're in the ICU, you're kind of like, I, I just started to realize how crazy my life is. Um I started really thinking about van life and if it was still for me, because I'm now four months in, have a brain aneurysm. Am I going to wait, die? wait, 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 were yeah. you like on the road by yourself somewhere and this happened? No, luckily I was on the road, but I was visiting my mom. I had made a stop. So I was up in Washington to visit my mom. And I think I'd been there for a week at this point. And I had this brain aneurysm by myself. No one was home. And, um, I was rushed to the hospital my sister called 911 because I, I called her and she called, called 911. I went to the hospital. And once I was out of the ICU and out of the hospital, I was like, is van life for me? Am I, or like, should I stay, should I move back home with my mom? Am mm-hmm. I doing the right thing? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I was questioning myself once again. And I, I'll never remember, forget, but I was laying down you know, my mom did not let me do anything. She was like so scared for me to even pick up like an apple. She thought I was going to have like a brainerism again, right? And so I was just laying there and I remember thinking like, am I just waiting, laying here waiting to die? Like, this is not what I want. Like, yes, I am going to get back in that van. This is my dream. This is what I've wanted. Like I could just become this person living in Washington state in a house again and like waiting to die. Or I could just get back in the van and start driving again and like really finish out my goals of like what van life was to me, what freedom looks like. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my family did not want me to, but they were up in arms about it. But a month after my aneurysm, I did get back on the road mm-hmm. and I drove out to Idaho to the middle of nowhere. And I met up with other van lifers and I just got back out there again. And that's, like I said, back to now meeting up with different influencers and people that I aspired to be. That's when I met up with other van lifers and influencers. And I kind of started learning from them about how they made money as content creators. Um, And so I started getting small brand deals um, here and there, but I was posting very, once again, 
very shallow surface level things about my van life, very materialistic things about my van life, very like how to live van life 101, like these very typical things that you would see about van life. Um, and, you know, for me, it just felt very unauthentic once again. Um, I, I felt like every other van life influencer, to be honest. And I was like, I don't really want to teach people how to be a van lifer. That's not what I want to put out into this world. So what, how can I be different? And that's when I started sharing my struggles. I started being more real about things. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking like this rich trust fund kid living on the road in a van, I really wanted to make sure that was 20 years old. I really wanted to make sure because I look young, right? So I wanted to make sure people understood my struggles and how I got there. And mm -hmm. so I hope, I think I was one of the first people to do it, to kind of share my struggles and be more authentic in who I was. Right. And, you know, sharing that I was in my 30s, late 30s and about to be 40 and struggling with the thought of what death looked like and how that felt growing older and aging and being single and turning 40 and not being married and not having kids and not having money and not having a home and like really sharing my, my, my struggle and I think that's when brands started really wanting, wanting to work with me when they saw, saw how authentic I was and how mm -hmm. big my engagement was because I went from having 10 comments on a post to now thousands, right? Because people want to engage. They want to talk to me. They want to be my friend. They feel like they see like part of themselves in me. And so that's when I started making money from Instagram is when I started being who I was. So what kind of, first of all, is that how you make money now just solely on um, being an influencer on Instagram? Yeah. So now how I make money is social media, um, uh -huh. brand deals, social media, um, affiliate ads, whatever it might be. Um, that's definitely my bread and butter. I don't make a lot of money. I'm not going to say I'm rich by any means, but I definitely keep my overhead low. <laughs> right. So I just know how to budget better now. Um, so I can make, I can make less and live more. And that's the goal for a lot of people, right? I feel like I accomplished that finally. Um, but I did start a new business. So that's actually how I make money as well now. So I did start a new business back in August. And I'm doing group trips around the world. So um, it's not just me hosting group trips, but I now work with other content creators and celebrities and athletes to host their own experiences around the world and host their own group experiences with their followers. Um, and I'm the one who puts the entire trip together and makes sure they go smoothly. Not in a van. Not in a van. It could be okay. a five-star hotel. It can be a retreat. It could be whatever experience they want to create. But yeah, I do have a new company called Far West Travels and we create experiences. That is amazing. You're always a hustler in the best Always a hustler. Yeah. The word. I love that about you. Yeah. Um, okay. Just a couple details I'm curious, curious about. Yeah. So where do you shower? <laughs> like in my van? Yeah. Is okay, there cool. a shower in there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I have an outdoor shower. Um, and I also, so she is, I'm, the only reason I'm laughing is that this is like the number one question I get constantly, which is so funny to me. They always ask, where do you go to the bathroom? Where do you shower? Yeah. Um, so showers for me, if it's nice outside, and I'm in a remote, remote area that I'm able to do this. I have an outdoor shower that's magnetic that just pops onto the outside of my van and it has propane. It's heated. I could take a hot shower. I could take a cold shower, et cetera. So I have an outdoor Wait, shower. But where's the water coming from? So from a water tank. So I have like these two military grade st um, style water tanks that I have that you have to fill up. I know. <laughs> um, and it pumps, it has a water pump. So it pumps water from the um, water or by the way, it also has a water, um, like a big hose and filter. So I could, it's a hundred feet long, the hose. So I can go and put it into a water source, like a river or a lake right. and it pumps water from the lake, filters it and makes it hot. 
It's like it puts the iodine in it. There's no jarty over Everything. Yeah, yeah, it's clean. Yep. Oh my God, that's amazing. And going to the bathroom, sorry to ask, but- No, it's okay. But yeah, so know. actually I was going to say, that's not the only way I shower. I also shower at friends' houses or also okay. Planet Fitness, so the gym. <laughs> and I think all van lifers have a membership at Planet Fitness, which is like $10 okay. a month and they're all over the US. But um, but yeah, the bathroom, I also have, I used to have a toilet that I installed that was, it has a flush, but you have to empty out the, um, you know, the stuff yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just did not like that. I had way too many accidents where it would flood my van and cause chaos. And so I got rid of that toilet. I know it was not good. Um, zero out of 10. Um, so I got rid of that toilet and I now have like this toilet I bought from Walmart for $25. And it's just like a folded little seat that you have. And with like these little bags that have crystals at the bottom that kind of changes. I don't know what it does, to be honest. Maybe it helps the smell. Um, but that's usually what I use to use the restroom. Is this little $25 camping toilet from oh Walmart? Is, and is Walmart one of your sponsors? <laughs> I've worked for Walmart now at least five or six times. I'm actually currently, I actually, actually currently, have, currently have a job with them that I'm about to post about soon. Good. I'm happy yeah. for you yeah. about that. Um, yeah. Where do you get your mail? Um, it depends. So if I'm on the road for a long amount of time, then I primarily buy, get things on Amazon and I just go to Amazon lockers wherever I'm at. Or I'll have it shipped to a friend's house, or you can do general delivery to any post office with your name on it without a P.O. box. Um, and then, um, yeah, so usually like if I have a brand deal, for example, and I can't do Amazon, then I just use a friend's address or I use general delivery at the post office. Got it. Yeah. Um, I've seen you say that you are not lonely. Is that... How is that possible? Facts. It's facts. <laughs> I know it sounds like I've solved life, but no. Um I think I've felt loneliness so much in the past, especially in previous relationships. Mm -hmm. Even that time I told you about when I was 89 pounds, yeah, having absolutely everything. I think that was the lo most lonely I ever felt in my entire life, mm -hmm. being surrounded by people, but still feeling lonely. Like you can still feel that way. Yeah. And just dealing with my own mental illness back then, I realized what loneliness really meant. And it really comes down to being content with yourself and loving yourself and working on yourself. And it's an ever... It's ever evolving, right? You constantly, it's constant work on your relationship with yourself. And yeah. I realized I could be lonely no matter what, no matter what I have. And I've already felt that in my 20s and my 30s. So going into my 40s is really important to me that I no longer feel that way. And that was back to self-love and working on myself. And so, yeah, I don't ever get lonely to the point I sometimes worry about myself. <laughs> I'm like, am I the problem? Like, is something wrong with me? But I think it's just the work I've done. Well, you also have these two amazing pets that you travel with. Oh, for you know, sure. Anyone that's an animal lover would know that you it's hard to feel lonely when you have these these furry. Oh, for sure. Animals. They definitely yeah. I think have helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think another thing that I would want to know is about relationships. I mean, do you ever want to be in another relationship? How do you date? Are you on Bumble? Yeah. Like what tell me about that? <laughs> I love it. Um, I actually love talking about my dating life. I don't really do it often on Instagram, <clears throat> but I feel like I want to this year. So I do date. I have some hilarious dating stories on the road for sure. Um, like one time, I'll give you an example of one story. Like I was in Idaho and I met this hunter and I oh, met him at a bar. Like I think it was like at some bar after a country concert. And 
we went on a date and all of a sudden I moved my van outside of his apartment and I lived, I was his neighbor for the week. So I pretty much just started dating him for the week because I parked my van outside of his house. Um, so that's kind of how I meet guys on the road. <laughs> um, so I have a lot of fun experiences on the road. This is such a great story. Okay. I know he was hot. Um, but yeah, so that didn't work out unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, I'm also on dating apps. I'm on Raya. I'm on, um, not Bumble, but I'm on Hinge. I love Ryan Hinge. I've used those a lot off and on. Okay. Um, I got a boyfriend one time uh, during my van life. And a lot of people know about this because I did not post about him. But I did have a boyfriend that became my fiance. <laughs> I know. And he moved him to my van with me. Um, I don't know why I let him, but I did. Um, did he not have a house that you could move into? Uh, he did, but it was back in LA. So, and I knew I did not want to live in LA. So I was actually, the way I met him was I actually went, I was in, I was in Marfa, Texas. I was in this little town in Texas and I went to this little, um, saloon, this little honky tonk. And I walked in and I met this man in his seventies and his name is Buck. And, um, I was, I went dancing with them and he was telling me about his, his wife, his kids, he was telling me about his whole life. And I thought he was awesome. He became friends. He told me about his son in LA. Long story short, he set me up with his son in LA. And so I drove out to LA. That's where I met my ex. And anyway, long story short is that we fell in love pretty fast. He moved into my van. We hit the road together. We became engaged. It did not work. We called it off. Um, I've been single ever since. And that was um, a year and a half ago, I think. So yeah, I am open to relationships though. I, I'm definitely looking for my person. I'm looking for a partner. I like dating. I was dating even when I was in England. <laughs> that's kind of why that's I great. I think people yeah. would want to know though, do you yeah. need to end up in the van to be happy? Like, could you no. be in a relationship and end up in a house? Yeah, I think part of the van always to me, it felt like I was trapped in LA, like I said. Like I had to yeah. date people in my small little circle of LA where now I feel like I can date anyone in the world. I'm more open. Right. So I can move anywhere. I'm not saying I move somewhere for a man, but at the same time, like if he's a ranch in Montana, I'm down. Right. So I'm open. Annie, I think you have a, a book in you and it's not really about van life, which when I first started this interview with you, I, that's what I thought it's about. It's really about freedom. It's about finding yeah. your freedom. And I think that mm -hmm. is so inspirational. Thank you. People, I think one other question people would really want to know about is safety. It seems so dangerous to be out there. You're a beautiful, sexy woman. You're single. You're, you know, you, you are loud about being single and alone because you're on Instagram and you have, you know, almost 400,000 followers. Um, and then you have these two, you know, cute pets like how yeah. safe are you how safe am i yeah um i've had some stalkers um unfortunately they were very scary stalkers that would follow me or show up um from instagram but i also had stalkers oh. in la so and that was oh. before social media so i just have learned like as a woman in general i think we're always cautious about oh. our safety and well-being no matter where we are whether it be in an apartment in la to a van traveling the world right it doesn't but matter. I mean, how safe are you like being in the middle of like, we're looking at this beautiful picture of you, you know, you're in the middle of the wilderness, mm -hmm. you're parked there by yourself. I mean, have you yeah. ever run into any problems with people that you don't know that you've trusted and you're alone somewhere and you can't get any help? Yeah. So, you know, part of my aesthetic, um, especially with my van, my build out, I made it on purpose, not look beautiful on the outside because I wanted to look a little scary, a little masculine. So people just think I'm a little old man inside that van. Got so it. I think that helped me a lot. Unfortunately, now that I've grown and people recognize my van, people definitely spot it now. So it's less safe. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, yeah, I do get scared. I think 
being scared and taking precautions is important. I do have some weapons. Um, I'd really try not to share my my location or where I'm at um, mm. to help protect myself. Also, too, like, I'm not a silly girl in the sense that, like, I really do try to be aware of my surroundings at all times. So even, like, who is near me? Is some, did someone just pull up? Like, I'm always putting, like, you know, curtains up, making sure no one can see into my van, see that I'm feminine, see that I'm a woman. I really mm. do try to make sure I kind of downplay a lot of the femininity on the outsides of my van for that purpose, even when I set up camp, right? Um, I don't want someone driving by my van when I'm parked in the middle of nowhere knowing that it's a girl by themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you miss about your life th- that you think, you know, you're looking forward to? And then is there, it, do you think it'll be hard transitioning back into real life ever? Or will you always keep this van in your driveway and just kind of mm-hmm. take off when you want to have weekends? I love it. Yeah. So I think I'm in a new season of my life, actually. So which is something I will be showing a lot more this year is I'm actually going to be retiring the van. The van is now going to live on my mom's property in Washington. It's going to have its cute little yard. It's going to have its. it's going to stay put um, because I'm currently building out a cottage, but on a truck. (laughs) So I recently just bought a truck. It's a badass truck, um, newer. And I'm building a cottage. And actually, I did put a couple of reels out showcasing the build. But it's going to be, if you can imagine, like the cutest little English countryside cottage on the back of a truck with the little back porch and rocking chairs. (laughs) You have to use your imagination to imagine it. But it's going to be a tiny house on the back of a truck. And that's what I'll be actually traveling in. Um, This year for me looks, I do want to be nomadic still. So I do want to make this my primary home, this cottage truck. Um, It's allowed me to be more creative again, because I feel like I've hit a a, a plateaued with the van that was built a necessity where Mm -hmm. this could be a little bit more creative, creative for me. Right. Um, I'm actually currently helping my mom and I've been doing this since last summer. And that's why I've been in Washington a lot. I've been helping her rebuild after the fire. So we finally built her a one bedroom home on the property. I've been, wow. you know, cleaning the property all summer and putting my resources there. So that way all my resources go to this house or this property. Um, but I'm hoping to build her a greenhouse this year. There's a lot of things like when it comes to building, for example, that I'll be doing this year on her property for her, but right. I hope to still be nomadic. So I'm going to go, you know, have the home base be Washington and help her out with the property, but also still travel. I mean, I'm kind of speechless. I think you're so amazing. I think, okay, so now instead of van life, it's going to be truck life. I think you have to start a business now where people can hire you to come to their area and you can build them out a van or a truck (laughs) or like even one of those little guest house in the backyard. You seem like you would be efficient at it. You could do it quickly. You could do it probably for less money than people that are spending money on a real contractor. And you can make it this beautiful like countryside little cottage. I might have to fly you out to Palm Beach to have you do that. I love that you're saying all this because honestly, there's two things that you mentioned that I have not even touched on yet that you've kind of called out my year. So one is a book. It's something that I'm working on this year. I am writing. um, So I'm hoping to hopefully publish who knows when, but I'm hoping that's part of my year. Number Mm -hmm. two is so LA, but I am talking to someone about potentially a TV show. Like I said, I never wanted to be on TV, but it's for something that I would like, which is design. And mm-hmm. so part of the concept is, I think I would be somebody nomadic driving from one place to the next, helping design things out. I won't give too much away, but there are, these are two ideas that you just touched on that I've been thinking about, which is so Annie, funny. I like just laughing. got chills. I know, I know it's I'm laughing for you. It's so <laughs> yeah. awesome. Okay. My last question then for you yeah. is, are you finally happy? Oh, I think happiness is 
it's it's an interesting question, right? Because I think and that, I know it's complicated. Yeah, yeah, it's complicated. Um, I think happiness ebbs and flows, and I think allowing yourself to be unhappy is really important in your self growth. Mm-hmm. So I think oftentimes I find myself happy and content, and oftentimes I find myself very sad. But I think it goes ebbs and flows, and I'm allowed to receive sadness differently now, I think, and not see it as a, oh, I'm unhappy, right? So in general, I think I'm happy, and I'm content, and I feel fulfilled in my life. I also think, oh, I'm trying to cry right now. But, you know, a lot of times when I'm in a scary situation, let's say flying, I hate flying, for example, I'll be on a plane, and I pray and ask myself, Annie, if this plane went down, would you be okay with dying, for example? And, you know, I ask myself these questions and back in my twenties and thirties, I'd be like, no, I have so much life to live. But now I feel like a lot of times I'm like, you know what? I feel like I've lived a really good life. And so I think that I'm crying, but I think that goes to whether or not I'm happy. And I think I am, you know what I mean? Because I feel like I've ticked a lot of boxes. You have ticked a lot of boxes, but you have a lot more to live for. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Sorry, I didn't make it make it sad. But I think something you should learn maybe is that when you feel sad, it doesn't mean this time that you need to get rid of everything in your life and start over. I think you found a huge, amazing niche for yourself that you, that you um, are free. You're, you, you have the opportunity to be happier and you have the opportunity to kind of start over every day in a new place. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I encourage you that when you feel sad to know that it is totally okay. And to the extent that you feel sad is to the same extent that you feel happy. So I think that those are all normal um, feelings. I, totally wish you the best of luck. I absolutely, I'm glad I have your cell phone because I'm absolutely (laughs) going to talk to you about coming to visit me and help me build out stuff. And, um, you know, if I can't fly you because you're scared of flying, maybe you can start (laughs) filming (laughs) what it's like to go from state to state and find other people to work on their properties with stuff. I mean, I think it's a great idea for a show and I think, but a legitimate uh, way for you to make money. And I'm hoping people that listen want to get in touch with you and, um, and sign you up for some projects. So where can people find you and get a hold of you? Um, typically Instagram, that's my primary platform. Um, and all there too is my email, my contact information. So yeah, all there. For people that are listening and not watching, say oh, what yeah. your Instagram is and your contact. Yeah, my, my Instagram is Anne's Van, but with three N's. So it's A-N-N-N-S-V-A-N. Got it. Yeah. Annie, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. You're so you, sweet. You Thank are going to be great. I, I know it. I just know it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review.